So as of just over a week ago, my life is forever different. It is forever changed and I have to talk about it because that's what I do here and in some ways it's cathartic. I mean, <clears throat> if you guys know me, if you've been listening to this show, I've been on for since uh, September of 2020. So it's been almost a hundred episodes. And I share, I talk about my life experiences and stories and observations and sometimes we laugh and we're silly more often than not. It's, it's motivational and serious and things that I'm like passionate about. But one of the things I don't generally do is talk in specific about my stepkids. And, uh, Today I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one whose life is forever changed. So let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins, and uh, I had a whole other show that was almost completely finished. It was all about Joe Rogan, and I actually had finished it, but thanks to Anchor and maybe my old computer, I think it's the two of them together, I, was, uh, I had recorded this whole final segment that was about 18 minutes long. And then when I went to play it, none of it recorded. Usually the segments have to be somewhere under maybe 12, 13 minutes, and then it, it will record. But I just was really focused and passionate and it just kept going and I was really proud of that show. And I'm like, yay, I'm finished. And the last 17 minutes didn't record. And I was like, oh, I'm going to bed. I was up late. I had all these clips and all this stuff in the show. I was really proud of it. But um, those last 17 minutes, now I have to re-record and add the clips and all of that. And I think that was <clears throat> Wednesday or Thursday of last week, or not even last week, the week before. And um, then the week before last, um you, I don't even know how to start. We, we, the family got the call that no parent wants, no step parent wants. It's the nightmare call. There's two nightmare calls that parents don't want. The first one is, you know, your child's been killed in a car accident or some like school shooting or some tragedy, you know, and they're deceased. That's the, the worst of the worst, obviously. But the second one, in my opinion, the second worst is when you get a call from a doctor and the doctor says, your child has cancer. And that's the call we got. My 18 year old stepson has cancer and he has a tumor in his knee. And I won't go into any further details because he's not 
a, pl- a public person other than to say it's osteosarcoma. He is open about it. He talks to, he's already talked to, um, uh, there's an organization that was, well, still is part of his high school. He's now in college, but that's called uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA. And he went back to the high school where he graduated from last year and has already talked, like sort of given his own little TED talk to these high school students and shared his story of finding out that he has a tumor, osteosarcoma, in his knee. And, you know, he is looking at treatment for the next nine months and then surgery. And I think that's the most detail I will give. I guess I'll say he is looking at chemotherapy. And it's tricky because, like I said, he's not a public person, but he's not hiding. He's not ashamed. He's not saying, you know, let's just keep this to ourselves. He's asking anyone and everyone to pray for him. And he's amazing. I don't, I know I would not be taking it as well as he is if I were he. If it were happening to me, I would not be taking it as well as he is. So, yeah, we got the call. Or, you know, a lot of times I say I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. It had to work its way kind of down to me, you know, his birth parents and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, my husband told me and I just was like, I, you know, in a way I wasn't surprised because he had had some knee pain for several months and it just wasn't going away and just like didn't ring true what some of the early on thought processes were. Oh, it's probably just, you know, you know, sports and stuff that you did when you were younger and it just didn't feel true. Like my gut told me there's something more here. I'm not a psychic, but I can tell you I'm a highly intuitive and sensitive person. I'm also an empath. And my gut said, this doesn't make sense. And I just had a feeling. Now, I didn't have a feeling he had cancer. Like that's just not, it wasn't in my brain. It just, I I mean, who thinks about that for a young person? I don't. And I mean, we know it's possible, right? We know it's possible for anyone at any age, but I just knew it wasn't just, I mean, I guess I don't want to say I knew. I, I had a suspicion that it wasn't just a little something that was going to go away. I didn't think any further than that. I just remember thinking, this doesn't ring true. Something's off here. You need to make sure you get checked. And he did. And finally we found out. And the interesting thing, and I'm just going to speak from my perspective because, you know, that's what I do here as I talk about stories and observations. And I want to steer away from the specifics about him because maybe, maybe I'll have him on the show if he wants to. I don't even know. I'm not asking him right away. There's just so much he's dealing with, obviously. But I want to just talk about what it's like from my perspective and as a parent, well, a step parent, and how your story changes, your life story can change in an instant. 
And there were two times in my life, this time with my stepson, and another time when I was really keenly aware that the story I would tell when I met people or got to know people would be forever changed. And how we change when we get those calls in the middle of the night. I mean, for us, it was beautiful, lovely, sunny Southern California afternoon when I got the phone call. <clears throat> but uh, the interesting thing with life is, well, I guess there are many things, but I, I think that if you'd asked me how I would have felt versus how I actually feel, it's totally different. Because it's, for me, it's kind of like, and I've known my stepson since he was seven, that's when I met him, and like I said, now he's 18, so the majority of his life, I've known him. Not the majority of my life, and I've known my younger stepson even longer, because obviously he was younger. But what I think I would have said about how I felt if I had to guess if somebody had asked me a month ago, I would have, I don't know, actually, now that I think about it, it's just different. And the way that I generally feel right now is like, there are still, still happy moments. Like I have an infant, she's six, month, six months old, and she's doing the cutest things and babbling and sort of talking and things that sound like words and dada and, and so there's so much joy in our lives. In fact, tomorrow is the finalization of the adoption process. Once you like take the baby home from the hospital, at least in Utah where we did it, you know, you have to still keep in touch with the adoption agency and make sure they see medical records and you send these letters kind of like updating the adoption agency about how the baby is doing for six months. And then you're also, um, you have three visits from a, um, from a social worker and they kind of check on you and the baby and how everything's progressing. And then they turn in a report to the adoption agency and then the adoption agency compiles all that stuff, that six months and the entire process and gives it to the courts. And your adoption attorney basically says, see, these people are fit and decent and good and should be able to have this baby permanently. And the judge says yes or no, and then you go on with your life and she's officially ours. Her birth certificate says the names that we gave her on them because origin on it, originally the birth certificate said whatever the birth mom chose. We don't know if she chose her own name. We don't know if she put down the name that we named her. We have no idea because we don't see the birth certificate. And then that original birth certificate is sealed just in case, just for records. And then the new birth certificate is now given to us and so on and so on. And so we have, you know, our baby officially is ours. And it, I mean, it's irrevocable that the birth mom can take her back as of right now. But if we all of a sudden were crazy and did some lunatic stuff, then the courts could take her away from us and cease the adoption. So as of tomorrow, it'll be 100% irrevocable. Our little Rowan. And I mean, obviously, if something terrible, we did something terrible, just like any other parent, that would be something that would <laughs> could you know they would put the kid in foster care and so on and that kind of stuff but she's ours 
as of tomorrow. And we have to go to court through basically through Zoom and there's a judge and they swear us in and it's all very official, but there's joy in that. And watching a baby giggle is joyful. And so there are all these joyful moments that continue to happen and then you end up feeling guilty. It's kind of like there's this like whisper that's always kind of in the back of your mind. You're like, wow, I, I, I feel pretty good. I got a lot of stuff done today. And then it's like, oh, he has cancer. And I'm avoiding using his name just because, like I said, he's not, the, he's not a public person. It wouldn't be hard to figure out who he was if you really wanted to know, but just out of respect for him. <clears throat> wow, my stepson has cancer. And it just like hits you over and over and over and over again. And because when we first heard the news, it was he has a tumor and we're like, okay, well, I thought, you know, when you see whether it's movies or someone you know or life, whenever you've ever looked at like an x-ray and the doctor's like, well, there's the baby or there's the tumor or there's the spot on your lungs or whatever, you're like, where? I can't really see it. And they're like, that little dark thing. And you're like, huh? And they're like, well, you just got to trust me, ma'am. That's the, the thing. And you're just like, I can't even tell. You know, like when pregnant women are like, that's the baby? Like, that's the penis? Like how, you know, that's the foot? It looks like a blob. And so in my mind, I thought, we would see an x-ray and we'd be like, well, I, I can't even tell what's the knee and what's not. And is that it there? And they'd be talking and like, oh, it's just really small and centimeters and whatever. It's huge. And we just continued to get bad news. And it was huge. And then it was further. And then it was bigger and all these things. And now he's had test after test after test and this is what happens when you have cancer you have to go in for this kind of test and that kind of test and this kind of scan and that kind of scan and then they compile all that information and then the doctor says all right here's the prognosis your person whoever and we'll talk in generalities here for just a second your person who has cancer has stage one two three or four and my understanding is stage one is like almost precancerous or small cancer or something like that. Stage two is an obvious tumor that has um, that is apparent, I think. And again, I've done a lot of research on all this, but like the topics and all the stuff stuff is just like floating around in my head. So stage two is like an obvious tumor. I think stage three means it has spread locally, like in the surrounding areas. And stage four is it has spread to other parts of your body, metastasized. And so we don't know the specifics yet. We will get that final conclusion and then the treatment will be set and we'll go from there. And it is a long road. Like I mentioned, nine months of chemotherapy, nine months. That is a ridiculously long time. I've seen so many TV shows and streaming shows and read so many books and documentaries. And it always seems, I mean, and this is my ignorance when it comes to, do, to dealing with cancer, it always seems relatively fast. Or even the people, like I've known women with breast cancer 
cancer and women with ovarian cancer. And they were like, oh my gosh, I have cancer. They got all their tests. Next thing you know, they were like getting like um, a biopsy and then or a lumpectomy. And then maybe they had a mastectomy and then they had chemo. And then it seemed like after, I don't know, it just seemed like after six weeks, or eight weeks, they were just sort of, okay, we're done. And then we'll wait the five years and keep getting checked to make sure the cancer didn't come back. But nine months, this is a, a college kid. My stepson is a college kid in, I don't want to say the prime of his life. I almost hate that saying because who can say when the prime of your life is? Hopefully the prime of your life is every moment you're in when you're in it. Because if the prime of his life is when he's in college, and what does that say for his mid-20s? What does that say for his 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Like anything can be the prime of your life. You could be 96 and be living your best life. So I'll just say this. He's in the beginning stages of his life and he was loving school. And, you know, he was out of state and going to school on the other side of the country and just making new friends and enjoying his life and doing really, really well with his grades and just meeting new people and having experiences that I was so happy for, for him. And now this. And so, I mean, I've gone back and forth. There are times when I'm Forgive the language, but I'm really fucking pissed off because here I am, a seasoned adult, right? I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I pretty, much, I pretty much presumed that the next people to get sick would be me, my husband, or my husband's ex-wife and her partner. Like... <sighs> That's what I thought, because that's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to go in order of age, right? That's what we think. That's what I thought. It's just the natural progression of things. It's out of order for him to be sick. And so sometimes I'm just pissed. I'm just pissed, pissed, pissed. And then I have these moments where I'm like, this is really happening. Like I had to break the news and I just, we, we started sharing it with friends and family. And then we shared it on our Facebook. Some of us did and some of us didn't with our friends and you know, his grandparents did and, and everyone's praying like strangers that I somewhat know are praying and my friends are, friends are praying and their churches are praying and people all across this country are praying for him. And I would appreciate all your additional prayers. Just say stepson Rollins when you're talking to God so he knows who you're talking about. He knows. And again, I'm not the most religious person, but I do believe. I believe in a higher power and I know that prayers can't hurt. but sometimes I'm just really pissed. And sometimes I just can't believe it because I've known friends whose kids have had cancer and I was like, wow, that must be so awful. How terrible. I just never thought that would be our family. But what I'm careful of not doing is saying, why me? Or why him? It's not me but you get the idea why our family. I don't say why me or why him for a very specific reason. And believe it or not, the reason why I don't say it, well, I want to share it with you and I want to share what brought me to that place. 
as soon as we come back from the break. And I'll get into everything right after this. Stay with me. Hey guys, it's me again, Jody. Are you interested in getting in touch with the show? Well, there's three ways you can do that. Instagram, Twitter, or good old-fashioned Gmail. If you want to write the show, you can write me at bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or check me out on Instagram. And while you're there, drop me a follow. I would greatly appreciate it. You can DM me on my Instagram. While you're there, check out my Instagram stories. I post live updates about the show, videos and pictures from my travels, and of course, of my adorable baby, and all kinds of fun stuff. So check me out on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. Secondly, if you want to check me out in a different place, in a different way, find me on Twitter at Jody's Box. That's as in mailbox. J-O-D-I-S-B-O-X. And we talk about Big Brother and reality TV mostly. So if you're not into that, you might not want to follow me on Twitter. So those are the ways you can get in touch with me. You can also leave a voice message by clicking on the link in the show notes that simply says, leave a voice message. Okay. And that's how you get in touch with the show. Thank you very much. Welcome back. So, as I always mention, if you would like to support the show financially, it is much appreciated. Thank you for those who do. You can click on the link in the show notes that also says support this podcast. And then there are options for how much you can pay. It's um, all, I think all the options are monthly and it's from 99 cents, $9.99 or $4.99, I believe. I said that out of order, but those are your options. And then if you want to pay more, you can put it on a different credit card, (laughs) I think, or pay in a different way too. Multiple payment choices, but any little bit helps I appreciate it, and um, that is an option for you. So feel free to take it, as well as please share the show with at least one person, just one person, especially now because I'm going to be going through this journey and I'm going to share, and there are so many people whose lives are unfortunately touched by cancer, and maybe we can stick together. Maybe there's some solace in hearing someone else who's going through this, and that's what this show is for me, is it's catharsis, but it's also a way to share my thoughts and observations and stories with you guys, and I get so much positive feedback that you appreciate it. Yes, some of it is for entertainment, but some of it is just, you know, life is hard and we need to commiserate together. So please share the show. If you can, please click five stars on Apple podcast and leave a written review. I ask every single week and every single week goes by and nobody does it. But if you would feel from the bottom of your heart, the kind little place, like you feel like doing it, I could use a new review. I do have reviews, but I think the last one was from September of 2021. So I would love a new one. 
It's all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world in whether or not people actually listen to the show because they read the reviews. So if you can't support the show financially, I would love it if you could at least click those five stars and leave the written review. That's a little something, right? So every little bit. Thank you, thank you, thank you if you've done it already or if you're headed over there right now. And then don't forget to click subscribe. Please do that because that way you will never miss a show and it helps grow the show as well. So go ahead and click that button right now. Oh, wait. Okay. So the interesting thing about all of this, and I believe, see, I'm not, side note, I am not one of those people that says, everything happens for a reason. And I hear that all the time. And if that's what you believe, that's great. That's your choice. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a reason for people to suffer. I don't believe there's a reason for people to hurt. I think that some crap just happens. It's just life. It's just how life works. But if we're smart, if we're lucky, if we're faithful, if we're diligent or some combination thereof, all those things I just listed, we can find the lesson in the pain and the suffering. We can find the good things. We can find the gifts, the personal growth, the strengths, the lives that we touch or how our lives are touched when we go through trauma and tragedy. There are gifts. Cancer is disgusting, right? We don't want it in our lives. It feels like this hateful demon turning against us, our body working against us. But there is a gift in cancer. I believe that. I don't want those gifts. But hey, if that's all that there is that we can find that's positive, I'll take it. And let me just tell you, there's been gift after gift after gift with my stepson's cancer. And we are just making sure that we're aware. So many wonderful things have happened. The fact that we discovered it the way that we did, and I won't get into that because it's kind of a personal story. I'll let him tell that if he ever comes on or if he chooses to. But I mean, it, we, I, I see it as a blessing, luck, a God wink, whatever, because it would have been very easy for us to miss it and for it to spread all over his body and for it to take his life. And we're not in that position. And so that's a gift. And the strengthening of relationships through all of this, like our family has pulled together like none other. We're a pretty tight family, but there's two portions. I mean, my husband's divorced. I'm the second wife. And so there's a whole other side with the kids kind of in the middle. But we've always pretty much gotten along. And now, at least from my perspective, I'm just like, Anything that happened in the past, within reason, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care. Because no matter who you are, you're not always going to get along. And especially if you have your husband's ex-wife in your life. And we do get along. But there are moments, I'm sure there's things that I've done or said or whatever that she didn't care for. And vice versa. Yes, we get along. But now, I literally feel like I don't care. I don't care about anything negative. I don't care about anything that's baggage or leftover resentment or anything. I just know that this woman, my husband's ex-wife, got the worst fucking phone call that you can imagine. That her son 
has cancer. And when you get those phone calls, like I mentioned all the other ones, a car crash or school shooting or whatever, which I guess those, like I said, are the worst, but you know, you get the idea. My heart aches for her. Yes, I'm going through this too as his step-parent, but that's his mom. And of course my heart aches for my husband because that's his dad. And so it is a gift in a way to be a step-parent because I have greater perspective. I am sort of once removed as opposed to a married couple going through it together when they both might be going bonkers because it's so painful. And so I'm now focused on being the rock for my husband. And he's focused on being the rock for me, but I know as a step-parent that I definitely need to be more of his rock because it's just different than for the birth parent, my husband, and for his ex-wife. And so there's a gift in being able to support people. There's a gift in, to be, in being able to have a close relationship with your stepson, knowing that I've said things to him that have helped him. I mean, you don't know what to say. You just say what's on your heart and you hope you say the right thing. In any circumstance, if someone's died or dying or sick or some terrible thing has happened in someone's lives, we all feel like, God, I don't know what to say. I just, I'm going to say to the best of my ability what I can say. And that's what I did with him. And then when he spoke at that high school for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he talked about the first conversation that he and I had and what I said to him and how it changed his perspective. And when I heard about that, I almost burst into tears. Because as a step-parent, and I think it's true on some levels with birth parents or any parent, you don't know what affects your child with, when it comes to the things you say. You hope that you say the right things. You hope that you can make a difference and ease their pain or suffering, whether it's the boy at school or the girl at school didn't like them or something horrific like this situation. You just want to be able to ease their pain, even if it's in the slightest. And somehow I did. And I got to tell you, that was one of the greatest moments of my life because I made this really shitty day of his just a little bit better. That's a gift. It is a gift to have your own stepson, someone who it's been hard with him. I mean, he could be a very sarcastic kid when he was younger. I mean, for those of you who haven't listened to a lot of the shows or any of them, if you're new here, by the way, thank you. I have five stepkids. He's smack dab in the middle. So the middle child is a whole different thing. And he's just matured and evolved and grown and just blossomed into this amazing kid. Can I just tell you real quick, and I'll get back to what I said right before the break too about why I don't say why me. I'll get to that in just a second, but I just got to tell you a little side story. One of my things in life is feeling like the work I put into relationships the other person is also putting that work in. It doesn't have to be 50-50. It doesn't have to be perfect. 
But if I text you, I hope you text me back. If we, I ask you to lunch or something sometimes, I hope that sometimes you ask me to lunch. If I give you gifts, hey, I hope you give me gifts. Like I hope it's somehow give and take. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I want to be clear about that. It's just I want to feel like I matter in the relationship. And I've had friendships, I've even talked about it on this show, where I felt like second fiddle. And when you're a step parent, you are like legitimately, at least in my situation, and I'm sure many situations can be different. There, I, there are exceptions to all rules, but I have very much felt like I'm second fiddle, or as I jokingly say, the bottom of the totem pole, because he's got other parents. You know, his ex, his, um, my husband's ex-wife is remarried, so there, he's got four parents. And they've known him, all of them have known him longer than I have. And so being able to have the kind of relationship with my stepson that I have before the cancer diagnosis, one of my favorite things about him, sincerely, is that if I text him, he always texts me back, always. Teenage boys do not do that for their girlfriends. Teenage boys are known to be not the greatest of communicators. College students can be very self-involved and wrapped up in their whole world because college is new and exciting and there's so much going on and there's girls and he just all the things he's studying and he's in a new state. He has every reason to blow me off and get back to me when he damn well pleases but he never, ever does that, ever. And I love that. To me, that is a sign of his character and it is a sign of the gift of our relationship. And so when the day he got diagnosed with cancer happened, and I know that I was one of the first phone calls after his mom and his dad and a couple of his siblings, and I made his life easier. When that happened, my heart just burst with love for him and joy. Because if that isn't a gift to be able to ease someone's suffering when they just got diagnosed with cancer, to ease their suffering in a pivotal way, ever so slightly. If that isn't a gift, then I don't know what is. And so that's why that day will forever be one of the greatest days in my life. And also one of the saddest. And so we can focus on the cancer diagnosis, or we can focus on the gifts. That gift I will take to my grave. I really will. And I think there are going to be more moments like that because we're going to be having to take him to treatment, which is two hours away. Um, we're going to have to be dealing with his sickness and all the side effects. I've told him I will shave my head. I mean, I might not cut it all off. I might. It depends. He told me I didn't have to do that. I said, I want to make this the most interesting experience of your life, and I want to be 
camaraderie with you. If you lose your hair, I am with you. And I was like, that's a lot for a black woman. And I may wear wigs or whatever, but I'm with you. And I am. And so the reason why I never say why me or why him is because if not him, then who? Somebody else's teenage son? I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Somebody else's teenage daughter? Somebody else's child? In life, we sort of live whatever, you know, the deck of cards that we're given. given. We roll the dice and we get what we get. One of the biggest pains in my life eight years ago, nine years ago, 10, well, eight year, nine years ago, was not having my own child. And I've talked about it, going through the adoption process. It took all of those years, those eight, nine years, to get over the pain of being told I would never be pregnant, I would never give birth, and I would never have a little small creature that looks a little bit like me and a little bit like my husband. Or so I thought, because regularly people tell us, well, the baby's eyes look like your husband's eyes, which I think they do. And then they're like, I feel like she looks like you, like she's got a similar nose to you, which I think she does. Our skin tone's similar. She's a little bit darker. And then she has long feet and big hands like I do. But then she has a long torso like my husband does. And then she has like wavy curly hair, which would almost be a mixture of what my hair would be as a more coarse, tight curled, like African American hair. And then my husband, who's white, who had sort of straight hair. Like she literally is kind of half and half of us. It's the most bizarre thing. But I had to go through all of the pain of feeling like I would not have. And I had to realize the gifts of what I would have in adoption that I stopped saying, why me? Because early on I was like, why me? Why do I have to be the one that has to deal with infertility? Why am I the one that doesn't get to have a baby? I wanted, my entire life I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted to know what it was like to feel pregnant. I didn't care if I was sick. I didn't care if I had to lay in bed. I just wanted to feel a baby kick. I wanted to watch my stomach grow and it wouldn't be because I ate too much. I wanted to see what it was like. I wanted to go through labor. I wanted the whole experience and oops, and I, get none of it. But in the beginning, I would say, why me? Why does this happen to me? God, are you do you hate me? Are you mad at me? Like, what did I do? Why me? And then why not me? Started to occur to me or somebody said that to me. Why not me? I would rather have this than something else. I'd rather have this than to be killed in a grocery store or to have, you know, go blind or deaf. And, you know, um, you can live a full life when you're deaf. I took American Sign Language for two and a half years. Deaf people live a full life. Blind people live a full life. But to lose my sight is scary to me. And I, I literally, over the years of going through the adoption process. And by the way, 
If you guys are interested in hearing my whole story, Us Magazine actually asked me to write a personal essay about my nine-year journey and my husband and I, the nine-year journey to adoption, to baby. Um, it's on. Uh, it's in Us Magazine, usmagazine.com, that is. And if you want the link, you can check out my Twitter and it has the link there to read the article. If you can't find it there, you can DM me. I will find it for you. Or I will also post it. Actually, I'll post it in the show notes as well. So you can read the article and check out the pictures. My hubby is there. I don't post a lot of pictures of him so you can see him. And of course, my baby and all that I went through. So hopefully I'll remember to do that, but I will post it in the show notes. But if not, if I forget, it's late. Um, feel free to reach out to me on social media or write me and I will send you the link personally from my essay, which was really a cool experience. And I'm honored to officially be a published author in a national and internationally read um, magazine. So that was really cool. But the reason I even mentioned any of that part to do with the adoption is that going through the pain and the loss of infertility. And that's what it is. It's a loss. Like if you have a miscarriage, it's a loss that in general is almost tangible. You can tell people I had a miscarriage. It's horrible. I never had to go through that. And people don't quite understand that, but at least they somewhat know that you had a, a chance of a child and there seemed to be one, or maybe you told your family you were pregnant or someone told you they were pregnant and then they lost the baby. That's terrible. And I don't claim to know how bad that is. So let me be clear about that, that it is horrendous. But at the same time, when you're suffering with infertility, it's the loss of everything. The experience, the being able to tell people you're pregnant, the peeing on the stick and it's saying you're pregnant or the doctor telling you you're pregnant. Every single thing is a complete wash. It's a loss and no one gets it because there never was anything. It's the death of possibilities. It's the death of opportunity to give life, to bring life into this world. But as I went through that entire process, I really learned to stop saying, why me? Because I found so many other gifts. I was able to adopt. Adoption, I've mentioned this before, is really expensive. And if it hadn't have been for the kindness of friends and family, we probably would have to mortgage part of our house to pay for it. That's a big financial burden huge. And we didn't have to do that. That's a gift. Along the way, I met so many people who wanted to adopt that there was no option. They simply could not afford it. And if you choose to go through um, the foster care system, at least in the state of California, and each state is different, you can bring a baby into your home that maybe the mom was a drug addict or the baby was abused or all of these horrendous stories. You'll fall in love with the baby and then maybe the mom six months down the road changes her mind or says, I'm going to get clean off of drugs. And then they take the baby back because the state of California believes in reunification first, last, and always. So you have to spend months or years ping-ponging in the system, hoping to keep the baby. And there's no way to avoid it. None, unless the birth mom or grandparents and everybody is deceased and no one wants the child. 
then maybe, just maybe, you're guaranteed to keep the child. And I, my heart goes out to people who go through that system. Each person has their way and their story, and I'm totally going off on a sidetrack, but just to explain that that was not my story. My story was to go through what I went through. And I believe that the daughter we have today, little six-month-old Rowan, is supposed to be our baby. I believe that you get the child you're supposed to have, whether it's adoption, foster, in vitro, um, you know, someone else's eggs, a donor egg, whatever. What do they call that? Snowflakes, like which are fertilized eggs that um, the original parties no longer need. And so they donate basically the embryo eventually in all kinds of ways, whether you just take in your, your kid's friend or something. There's all kinds of ways that children come into your life. And I believe the way they come into the, your life and who they are is how it's supposed to be. And so that's why I don't say, why me? Because if I hadn't gone through all of this, I wouldn't have the daughter that I have. Or maybe I would have, but maybe something else terrible would have happened to me that maybe I would have died in childbirth. Maybe my baby was, would have been born with cancer and she would have died and my heart would have been shattered. I don't know. I will never know. But I don't ask why me. Because at least from the religious perspective, they say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And there were times when I didn't think I could handle it. And now it's bizarre because I don't have any problems talking about it. There was a time when I didn't want to talk about it. But I have this beautiful little cuddly, chubby-cheeked, fat-legged, don't you just love the fat on babies? I have a cute little baby who's just brilliant. She's so smart and adorable and so much fun to be around and so much joy. So I never say, why me? And the gifts that I've gotten from my stepson, even just since his diagnosis, are priceless. And so yes, it's crappy. And yes, I'm sometimes really sad. And sometimes I'm just really mad. And sometimes I feel guilt because I'm like, oh, I'm having a good day. Oh, God. And sometimes I'm just in shock. Like, I can't believe it. Like, it doesn't compute. I'm like, what? Like, he has to go through this? This can't be happening. It can't be happening. But it is. So all of that stuff happens, but I keep looking for those gifts and they keep appearing. Time spent with him is a gift. Talking to him is a gift. Sharing my life with him is a gift, him being my stepson. I'm honored to know someone who is at this stage going through this in a way that I just, I, I can't fathom. He's just like, this is just gonna suck and then I'm going to get on with my life. And he has the greatest faith in God, no matter what. I mean, he could teach us all something about faith. I don't have that. But he strongly believes in God. And he believes that God has got him. And I, I believe that. But his faith is admirable. It truly is. And so I don't want this show to be 
depressing. I mean, yeah, it's a depressing subject, cancer, right? The big C. And it's okay if it is sometimes. I mean, I think a lot of the time we as a society try to avoid feelings and pain and discomfort and talking about uncomfortable topics. And that's what I've talked about on the show all the time, like whether it's depression, anxiety, suicide, race, politics, whatever, uncomfortable topics teach us things. And the life that I want to live, and I think that I am, as flawed as I am, is a life of lessons. Like, you know, do you guys remember the Wizard of Oz? Remember how in the very beginning of the Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy and Annie M and all of her people were living in black and white. And you see the original people who later on become the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion, Cowardly Lion and the Tin Man, which I remember I didn't realize that until I was like a young adult. I didn't put two and two together that the people in the beginning end up in the end. I knew the Wicked Witch did, but I didn't realize the guy who played the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion and so on and so on. Why can't I say Cowardly Lion? But anyway, they were living in black and white. And then a hurricane comes, I'm sorry, a tornado comes, and then her life is instantly in color. That's how I feel right now in a very strange way. Like everything is more acute and fine-tuned because you just start going, okay, why was I worried about that small thing when we have all these big things to concern ourselves with now? Why was I holding a grudge about this or that or upset about this or that? And don't get me wrong, I think it's okay to still have emotions, to still have fear, to still sadness, happiness, all these things. But I feel like I'm just like, this is a beautiful life we're living. And I just want to enjoy as much of it as I possibly can because it can change in an instant. And it did for us. And so I notice everything. Like I, I hug and squeeze my baby just a little bit tighter because I'm like, my God, you're healthy. You are a miracle. I hug and squeeze my and kiss my husband a little bit tighter because I'm like, I thought that we were next, that I would have to deal with your sickness or you would have to deal with mine. I mean, apparently we're not next yet, but we're both healthy, you know, and all my other stepkids are healthy. And so while it's an awful thing and we don't know the outcome and there are no guarantees about any of it or for anything, for anyone really, there are gifts and it's how we choose to look at it. And if you stay away from the why me's and why is this happening to me? And again, it's okay to think that. Some of the time, I just, I think it's a place you can visit, but you just don't need to live there. And you allow yourself to feel the fear because we're scared. We are afraid. And you allow yourself to feel badly for yourself because part of you wants to go, well, this isn't happening to me. I mean, don't worry about my feelings. I should be worried about his and how he's doing, how my stepson's doing, but it's happening to all of us. It's just 
most succinctly happening to him. But all of us have to process this. And we are allowed to feel crappy sometimes. And I, you know, I say that to my husband, like sometimes we're going to feel happy and like everything's good and then it hits you again. And we're at the beginning stages because as we speak right now, my stepson's okay. Like he's just a kid with a sore knee for right now, he's okay. He's still living his life, still likes French fries, still doing his thing. But we don't know how it's going to all progress. And so the power is in the moment. I guess that's the takeaway is the power is in the moment. Appreciate the little things and that there are gifts in everything, even tragedies. You just have to find them. Because if you live, and again, I know so many people think this way, and I'm not faulting you, it's just my opinion, that if you live in this place of everything happens for a reason, I feel like you end up trying to find some greater meaning, like God did this, or you know, the reason why is, and that's okay if that brings you joy. I want to be clear about that. Everyone can have different opin different opinions or differing from mine. I mean, that's okay. But for me, the place that I find the greatest strength is staying in the moment, because that's where the power is because I can't control anything that happened in the past and I can't change anything that's going to happen in the future or vice versa. I can't change anything that happened in the past and I can't control anything that happens in the future. Both of those work. But for right now, I can control how I respond to it or I can be kind to myself when I feel like I can't control it and I do feel sad and I do feel angry or whatever the emotions are, the shock. I can't control how my husband is going to respond, but I can control how I support him. And then in the meantime, I just focus on the gifts. I feel lucky to know this kid. I feel lucky to love this kid and have him care about me and us be in each other's lives. And I want to do whatever it takes to make his experience with cancer as easy as it possibly can be. And it will not be easy. I will crack jokes. I will shave my head. I will moonwalk. I will try to do a cartwheel without breaking my wrist, whatever it takes. I will cry with him. I will clean up his puke. I will do whatever it takes. Because he's a gift in my life. I've learned so much about him, about myself. And let me tell you, being a step parent is one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I've talked about that before. And it just got even more difficult by having a kid with cancer. But the beauty in it all, the gift of it all, is that I get to experience this person, this human being. And to me, that's all we do in life is experience. The good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. I even said it. Ironically, in my last episode, I said we're either all going through something right now, we already just got done going through something right now, or we're about to go through something. That's it. Those are the three options. And so maybe 
this is our thing. If you're lucky, that's it. Sometimes it's compounded. A friend of mine was getting a divorce and then had this other thing happen and then this other thing happened and then a death and a loss and she was like, how much more? So we don't know. But the power is in the moment and there are beautiful gifts everywhere. And so I choose to feel like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. I can click my heels together. That's me tapping on the table because I can't really click my heels. I'm wearing flip-flops. And I can remember the joy of life. And I can feel like I'm living in color because there's beautiful times. I get to hug my husband more. I get to get to know this kid even better. Cancer's shitty. It just is. But I'm just going to keep looking for those gifts. And I haven't had really any trouble finding them because they are out there. And I think that's true for many parts of our lives, if not all of them. There are beautiful, wonderful things happening in our lives every day, from the tiniest little thing to something huge. And even while all this happened, you know, having us magazine reach out to me and say please write an article about your adoption and i mean i reached out to them about the black big brother weekend by the way i just want to throw this in and they had me write an essay in my own words i thought they were going to interview me and they were like tell it your own self tell your story yourself so i'm going to put that link in the show notes i want to remember to do that but that was a gift. A really cool thing happened during a really shitty thing that was happening too. I almost said a shitty time in my life, but it's not. It's not for any of us. We have wonderful gifts and we just gotta keep going. And I'm gonna find joy and happiness amongst the sadness and the fear because it is very scary when your child is diagnosed with cancer. We'll take it one second, one minute, one hour, one day, one week, one month, one year at a time. Because it's all we can do. So look for the gifts that are out there for you in your life. Even if you're not going through a tragedy right now, if you're living some really cool things, if you got a new job or a promotion or you're moving or you're dating someone new, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Maybe you feel loved, maybe you don't, but there is something good in your life right now. Something. Someone, something, some place that is a gift just have to be able to spot it, to be able to acknowledge it, and to appreciate it. Because we never know when it will be gone. Life is beautiful. That's what I think anyway. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.